It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast on a Tuesday. I am James Rapine. Great to be with you. On Twitter, at James Rapine, at Locked On Bengals. Subscribe, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and every podcast posted at LockedOnBengals.com. If you're new to the podcast, welcome to the only daily Bengals podcast out there. There are no others. We do this every single weekday. Usually we get you with the post-game podcast uh, Sunday evenings if the Bengals play on Sunday. We have some Bengals news, by the way, speaking of Bengals games. And then uh, Monday through Thursday, getting you all set each and every week for the Bengals game on Sunday. Um, on Twitter, at James Rapine, at Locked on Bengals. I work for ESPN 1530 and 700 WLW in Cincinnati, and I cover the team, and I love doing this podcast. So if you're new, welcome. If you've been here Thanks again for tuning in, and let's dive into it. The news of the day. Kansas City. The Bengals flexed in Kansas City coming up week seven. It'll be an 8-20 kick Sunday night football, and boy, oh boy, did Twitter panic. By the way, Joe Goodberry of The Athletic coming up in a few minutes. I caught up with Joe last uh, last night, and you're going to hear that conversation in just a few, but man, did you see the meltdown? I saw the meltdown on Twitter. It was, oh my goodness. The Bengals got flexed. Did you see the Bengals got flexed? Jay Morrison of The Athletic, by the way, I, I love The Athletic. I love that Jay Morrison has this news. He tweeted, well, yeah, the Bengals are 8-24 in primetime un- under Marvin. 7-39 and on the road all-time, 1-16 on the road in primetime games under Marvin, 3-14 and Sunday night all-time, 1-8 and Sunday night under Marvin, 1-13 and Sunday night on the road all-time, 0-7 oh Sunday night on the road under Marvin, 0-3 oh when flexed on Sunday night, 0-0 zero zero against Kansas City. They haven't played them. The Bengals last one on Sunday night on and I paused there because it's been that long. September 19th, 2004. September 19th, 2004, they beat the Miami Dolphins. It was Carson Palmer's home debut, 16-13. I remember it like it was yesterday, and it was a Sunday night game. So I get it. There's the struggles, and I'll have more on this tomorrow. I want to get you to Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. Here's what I'll say, though. Spent 60 seconds on this. If you plan on the Bengals being good, you plan on them getting a game flexed in, into the, the nighttime, in, into primetime, uh, in front of the country, right? Well, this game was flexed because they started 4-1. and one. This game was flexed because they've impressed people enough to get it flexed. This game was flexed because you're looking at two teams in the AFC that should make the playoffs. That's a good thing. Here's the other thing. Before this season started, did anyone have an at Arrowhead game? Did you have that as a win? Because not many people did. So this idea that, oh, my God, now they're going to lose. Yeah, even before Pat Mahomes is arguably the best quarterback in the league right now, and arguably 
uh, and before all of this stuff happened with this Kansas City offense and how high-powered it was, I think a lot of people expected this to be a loss anyway. That being said, it's very much a prove-it game. More on that tomorrow. I'll be on the Bengals, uh, be in the Bengals locker room tomorrow as well. You'll hear from plenty of players on Steelers Week, on, on playing in primetime, all that stuff. I'll talk to players tomorrow in the locker room. But let's get to Joe Goodberry. I caught up with Joe yesterday uh, evening. We already had a podcast by the time I was able to, to track down Joe and, and, and make it work for both of our schedules. So that's why I held it till today. And, and I started off by asking Joe, and, and you can follow him on Twitter, by the way, at Joe Goodberry. I asked Joe about what I said yesterday on the podcast, about the defense. Because if you missed yesterday's podcast, I'm buying this Bengals defense. If you want to sell stock, I'm buying it. I asked Joe if that was a wise decision on my part to double down on the Bengals defense. I think I would agree, um, only for the fact that their stock is probably extremely low, right? I mean, if, you're, if we're talking shares and what it would be where we thought it was at the beginning of the season, where it would be now, I think it, it's, the price is probably real low on it. And, um, and it might get lower, yeah. honestly, with, with Pittsburgh at looming and then Kansas and City. Exactly. So you, you might be, it might be in a time to wait a little bit and, uh, or, you know, and, and wait a couple of weeks. I'll buy it buy over the, the past couple of weeks. I'll buy it over the next couple of weeks, Bengals fans. That so seems you. like the smart play, but... <laughs> To be honest, um, yes, I do think there is reason for hope in why they should be able to turn it around. Um, there was a lot of, like, even you and I talking about the first four weeks, like, what's going on? What's going on? Everyone's questions were, like, what is happening? Because it was different. From the first time in a long time, it went from Zimmer to Gunther, and we knew what to, to expect. We knew what they were playing. We knew that they knew who their players were and could put them in, in the correct position. So they usually got the most out of their talent. Um, I think with Austin – it hasn't been a complete overhaul, but there's been some conservative play calling, I think, in matching with some of the talents that um, I think we all were left scratching our heads. Like, why are you playing off coverage? Why aren't you letting uh, William Jackson play more man? Um, why aren't you giving Kirkpatrick more help? Why are your linebackers just standing in no man's land? You know, what are you doing with, with, the, with the guys up front? Why aren't they, why isn't the rotation, you know, maximized all the time or on third downs when it should be? And so there was a lot of questions for the first four weeks. And, and there were moments where you could see they were testing different things or trying different things and trying to figure it out, and it was a slow crawl to what we got, I think, this week. And even I said, um, you know, right after, like, the first or second drive Dolphins had where they, they moved the ball each time, and, and I said, um, Terrell Austin's having a Ken Vampese start to his season because, like, I, I feel like they've really struggled from a play-calling standpoint on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and, and just the energy seemed low. The, the tackling was an issue, and I think those are all coaching issues, and, um, or at least some of it. And as the game progressed, it got better. And we could see now as I'm reviewing the film, like, okay, they're playing much more man. Um, they're letting William Jackson press. Uh, Jesse Bates had a fantastic game, and that's kind of, you know, what you want as a, as a rookie coming along. You're like, maybe he's, you know, just hitting his stride, and, and this defense can do even more with him back there. And then Vontaze Burfitt coming back, and, you know, we're, we're getting into everyone who played well and didn't. But um, overall, I do think there's reason to be positive and optimistic. They really haven't been hit with a big injury yet on defense. Ryan Glasgow, while you watch your mouth, a, Joe, uh, you watch your I mouth, know, Joe. Not, I, I have a wooden desk and I'm knocking on it, but it's only been Glasgow so far. And while that was a decent hit, um, you know, it's given an opportunity for like a Sam Hubbard to play that position, and he is playing defensive tackle a lot, and that's good because he made plays and it helped the defense win the game, obviously. Joe Goodberry is with us. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Let's dive into the defense. I thought that 
Overall, the defense had a nice rebound game. They gave up 10 points. Obviously, they forced three turnovers all in the fourth quarter. Who played well? Who didn't? Who stuck out to you? Uh, stuck out to you for, for good or bad reasons when you watched the film? The entire secondary, and I think for the first time all year, all four of them were good, and or even five if you want to say Dirk was Denard. Um, the five main guys all played well for the first time, and I think the boundary corners, William Jackson and Drake Kirkpatrick, had two good games together for the first time, and it makes a big difference when you can do that. And I, If anyone's seen Pro Football Focus's grade of Jesse Bates and watching it right now, I agree. Um, he had a fantastic game also. So you get that, and guess what? This fast speedy receiving unit for the Dolphins isn't beating you over the top now because these guys are handling their outside duties and deep duties. Um, seven targets, I want to say, only two completions, both on Jackson, but for only 17 yards. Four pass breakups between Kirkpatrick and William Jackson. That is an A-plus game from your two starting guys that you are supposed to depend on how this defense is built. Those guys are going to cover, and they're going to load up on pass rushers, and they're going to come get you. And I think as the game progressed and the Bengals' offense took that lead, I think we talked about this after week one, you need the offense to get into the game or take the lead for the pass rush to really come alive. And as soon as it happened, um, and it with help from the defense too, Michael Johnson's interception return for a touchdown, but as soon as that game got close again, the, the defensive line just pinned their ears back and took over. And um, you, you can name anyone on the defensive line. I even think Andrew Billings had a really good game for the first time uh, maybe all year. And, and he's had moments, but I think he, he had a really stout game. Um, Gino Atkins is the man, as always. Carlos Dunlap is the closer, the finisher. He's a guy who, when they need a stop in the fourth quarter or a big play or a turnover, he's the one who's done it, and he's done it for a long time, and he's still underappreciated um, by everyone, and, and he just keeps making plays. Uh, and then Sam Hubbard with a play. Michael Johnson, his his individual play was outstanding. I made a joke that he, couldn't, that he couldn't turn the edge, but you know what he did? He actually beat the guy inside, um, made Tannehill step up, and sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes it's better to be lucky in, in, in football, and the ball bounces right to him. And he's five, six, seven yards behind Tannehill when Tannehill throws, and the ball gets bounced directly back to him. Uh, and it's not just that play. Michael Johnson, I think, had a personal foul, maybe a drive before that, and after that it was run stuff after run stuff, um, nice tackles, and, and, and you know, it, he kept it off with that interception return out of 22 snaps, I think, which was the least out of the pass rush unit. Of, uh, Hubbard had more, Willis had more. So they're really using them the way I think we all hoped. So overall, I'm very happy with the defensive line. I think we should all be. But if that defensive line plays like that and those corners play like that, they're going to be a hard team to throw the ball on. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. And uh, Joe, let's continue with Burfecht in particular. It was Vontez Burfecht's first game back. Uh, to me, I was, one, surprised that he only weighed in at 251 pounds. I thought that was a great sign. I noticed him on the field for some some tackles, nothing too bad. How did he play? It was his first game back. It looked like it. Um, there were, he wasn't in on every play. I, I think he won. I think he played 47% of the snaps. Um, one defense is there, and that's what he's always been. He's been a downhill, tough guy that can make a few stops, and he did – the one that stands out is the one uh, where he just stones Frank Gore in the middle and just stops him dead in his tracks. And uh, it was really a spark at that time I think the defense needed. But there were some other plays where I think him and Brown were on the same page. Obviously, they're playing their first snaps next to each other. Uh, there was a long Kenyon Drake run where neither guy moved over. If you see a pre-snap, 
uh, Preston Brown and Vontez Burfecht are about four feet away from each other, and that's usually that's not normal. That's kind of weird, and the gap to the right is wide open between the defensive end and the defensive tackle, and that's right where Kenyon Drake runs. No one touches him for at least 20 yards, and, and it, you look back at the replay and you go, yeah, somebody's got to either move over pre-snap or have that gap, and just nobody did. And so you kind of wonder if uh, the, you know, the communication issues were there. Uh, but overall, it's his first game. I think – you know, this is four years in a row now, right? He's never really had a huge first game back. He's had some emotional moments or some uplifting, you know, kind of energy moments for the defense. And I think he had some sparks in this game. But overall, um, I, I would expect better as we as we continue. Yeah, I totally agree. Let's talk about another linebacker, one that one that in Preston Brown, who I think a lot of people had high expectations for. I know Vontez Perfect was excited to play alongside him and is excited to play alongside him. One play in particular that I noticed, it's third and 16, and it was washed away. It was in the fourth quarter because Michael Johnson got the pick six. But it's third and 16, and it's Preston Brown and Jesse Bates, and they're both right there, and it was, I don't know if this was Grant or Drake or who it was, but they're lining them up for the tackle. They're both right there. They get juked. And to me, Preston Brown, I don't want to go there and say it because he's been injured, but is he playing a lot like some of these other veteran linebackers the Bengals have added in past years, whether it's Carlos Dansby or last year with Kevin Min? Is he like those guys? Because it's AJ Hawk, James Harrison. It's starting to feel like it. They haven't worked out, and uh, maybe he's injured still. I, yeah, maybe I don't that's think he it. Is. I asked him last week, and he said he was a hundred. I know it's cliche. He was on record. The mic was on. He right. said he was a hundred percent. Right, and you know, ankle injuries, and it could affect you all year, to be honest. Uh, but he looks slow, man. And you know, what? here's the thing: it's, what were the expectations? Were they realistic? Because Bills were happy to get rid of him and draft a first-round middle linebacker in Tremaine Edmonds. And you know, the he didn't have that many offers. He said he had a couple offers in free agency, but when you take a one-year deal, how many offers did you really have? Um, so I think fans were excited because he's a local guy, because he led the league in tackles, which is a bogus stat. I mean, honestly, it, tackles are an unofficial stat and kind of weird because the home team keeps track of them and it is what it is. Uh, but he also played 100% of the snaps for the Bills for all four years. He never came off the field, and that was a quality. I think we all could have got behind with the way this linebacking unit you know, got depleted the last couple of years. So at the very least, we were hoping for that, and he got hurt right off the bat. Um, you know, when he's been on the field, he was who I saw a lot in Buffalo, a guy who's athletically limited. You don't want him in space. You don't want him in coverage. And I think we've seen that a couple times, once last week, once this week, where the linebacker or the running backs just running out, running across the field, and Preston Brown just cannot keep up with him. You can't put him in man coverage. Here we are asking for the defense to play more man coverage, but the linebackers can't handle it. So you kind of wonder, you know, it, some of the times they're playing zone because the, the, the linebackers need to be in zone. And, um, you know, there's a few run fits where mentally Preston Brown is an asset, and against the run he should be an asset. That should be where he is at his best. And then, I, like I just talked about with Perfect, they have a mental mistake where, where no one's covering the inside gap or the gap to their right. And then there's some other plays where Brown runs around the blocker instead of taking him on and ends up getting washed out of the play because of it. Um, he, he's been a solid Good tackler, not missing any tackles, so I'm happy there. But overall, I would say people have said to me, well, where's Malik Jefferson? And maybe he's not ready to play. The knock on him was always the mental part of the game, and it took him a long time at Texas to even become an impact player, and they even have a a pared-down playbook, it seemed, or responsibility-wise for him at Texas. 
But at the same time, when you see Hardy Nickerson getting some snaps in there and getting beat the way he did on the Kenyon Drake touchdown pass, uh, you wonder, well, maybe Nickerson should be groomed eventually to get in there and add some athleticism at the middle linebacker spot. If you're surrounding him with Nick Vigil, who's actually played pretty decent um, overall as the season's gone on now, and Vontez Perfect, maybe Nickerson would be okay. But at the same time, you look at it and you say, Brown was brought in to be the, you know, the veteran and the inside presence and, and dur- durability and, and call plays. I just think having him and Burfick in the nickel package may be something we look at in the next couple, couple weeks and as we go and say, are, is that the best fit? Are those the two guys you want out there as they go forward? Because uh, it could be a, a big issue as, as linebackers continue to not be able to cover. I have a few more questions for Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. I'm going to ask him about the defense, Jesse Bates, and more as we roll on. But first, got to tell you, about my bookie because who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. I always, always, always suggest my bookie. They are your best bet this season. They've been in the business for years. They've got great reviews online. Their mobile site is super easy to use. And I'd only recommend something if it's something I use. They've been good to me, and I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. They have in-game betting, live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And if you're a fantasy footballer, well, you can bet the over under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now. My bookie's going to match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code LOCKED ON25 to activate the offer. Visit my bookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKED ON25 when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid with my bookie. Again, use promo code LOCKED ON25. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A couple more questions for Joe Goodberry of The Athletic on the defense. Let's discuss Jesse Bates. And uh, Jesse Bates, to me, has played well. I talked to him after the game on Sunday. He just continues to stand out in those interceptions. I think he's going to get more and more of them as the season goes on just because it, he's a rookie. Uh, things the game move fast moves faster when you're a rookie, but he's just one of the many young players on this team contributing, and, and he continues to stand out. And I, I don't know how he was tackling at Wake Forest, Joe, but I know that was the one kind of knock on him yeah. is people didn't think he could tackle. For the most part, outside of the play I just mentioned on that third and sixteen, when him and Preston Brown kind of ran into each other, he's tackled and he's hit and he, he's come in and, and tackled downhill if he's needed to. He's come up and stepped up and hit running backs if they get to the secondary. Like, to me, he's tackling well. Uh, he obviously had the interception. Pro Football Focus gave him, I think, the best grade on the defense. Uh, what did you see from Jesse Bates, and, and what have you seen uh, throughout this season so far from the rookie safety? Yeah, I think he's been ad- as advertised, and that's um, because, well, when he was drafted and the release of Iloka kind of went together there, we said, well, it's obvious they wanted to get more athletic. They wanted to get more range at the free safety position. They wanted to get more ball skills, right? So he's been exactly that, and he's given them that a lot. And, again, we're not seeing this, this defense getting beat over the top. Now they play deep, and they don't, they don't let um, other teams take shots against them. But at the same time, 
you know, outside of that Atlanta game where you felt like there were some seam throws where they really picked on him a little bit and stressed him out because, and it's not really his fault, it was scheme versus scheme, you know, cover three or cover one, safety in the middle field, you're going to try and hit those seam or those boundaries and really spread out that, that area. And that's what the Falcons did. And, that, I, you know, that's understandable. Any safety probably would get caught in those situations. Um, but this game, you watch them, and it really was a big part of why they were able to contain the Dolphins' offense. Midway through, what, that third quarter before that punt returned, all the way to the rest of the game, it was the Bengals really saying, you're not going to beat us with these with Kenny Stills or, or uh, Jakeem Grant or, or whoever else, Albert Wilson, wherever else you're going to send deep and off these play-action passes, which looks like the Dolphins were trying to set up a few times. And instead, it was Bates that had the range to get side-to-side. The corners playing as good as they did. And, right, he wasn't a great tackler at Wake Forest, mostly because he's a little slim or he's on the slim side, and a lot of his tackles were arm tackles and stuff. It wasn't ever an effort thing. It was a you're going to want to beef him up just a little bit. He's a young guy, really young. I don't think he's 22 yet. Um, and, you know, you're going to say in a couple of years that shouldn't be an issue for him, but but early in his career that's something to keep an eye on. And, he, again, effort's not an issue. He's in there. He's running. He, he wants to make the hits, and he's tackled pretty hard because of it because he's coming in 100 miles an hour. So I'm happy with him. I think they've got one. I think it's a good thing that they've got a really high-end, maybe safety, a free safety, a true free safety, which are rarer and harder to find. Uh, it's a good thing. And to think that, you know, Philly Price gets healthy and rounds in the form, if Sam Hubbard continues to play as a high-energy motor guy that they have, uh, you may have nailed your first three picks. Let's talk about Sam Hubbard for a second, because I, I think here locally he's known. He started at Muller High School, which is right down the street from where I'm talking to you at right now. He obviously went to Ohio State, comes here, has had an impact, had a sack yesterday. He's had multiple sacks so far through five games. Did he have as a, a sack? I saw a difference. Um, I looked at it at two different places because one had it for a sack and one had it was, was a tackle for a loss. Like I, I don't know what, if that's going to end up being a sack or not. Um, I thought he had a sack yeah, in the first when, half. Yeah, Tannehill goes on a on a like a read option, then he goes out to the right, and mm-hmm. he kind of just slides down. I don't know if they're going to rule that a run or a pass. I and thought that's it was a sack. I, yeah, I, th- I, I thought it was, was too, and I saw somewhere else they didn't give him a sack, and I said, "Wait, I thought he had one." I'm counting it as a sack. All right, well, let's count it. Well, on well, well, on Bengals, it's a sack, so I don't care <laughs> okay. what anybody else. Says. So, hey, Sam Hubbard had a sack yesterday or on uh, on Sunday. He also had. Obviously, the the fumble return. I think it, that was a fumble return, correct? Yeah, that, that F- ended up being a fumble. F- I believe fumble return for a touchdown. He's making plays. Is he having as good of a rookie defensive line season through five weeks? Because I think he's having more of an impact through five weeks than Carl Lawson had last year through five weeks. Am I crazy there? Yeah, oh. you are. <laughs> really? And it's all yeah, you are. Um, I'm crazy. Good. Yeah, you are. It's just a little bit, just a little. There's, there's like two kinds of players, right? There's creators, guys that cause chaos, and sometimes other players are the beneficiary of it because they hustle and because they, they, they are in the right place and they don't stop. That is Hubbard more. Where Lawson is a creator, right? He's got one sack, but he's got 21 pressures. He creates a lot for the rest of the defense, even though he, he – how many times have you been asked, James? I get asked every time. Where's Lawson? What's yeah, Lawson? Yeah, yeah. Why, why isn't Lawson? But, yeah, yeah, and but I'm not, I'm not even talking about this year. I'm talking about Carl the rookie versus Hubbard the rookie. Carl that rookie, for the amount of snaps he got, I, I believe even at this time Hubbard had got more snaps through five games than Lawson did. And, when, and we were all begging, where's, when they need to get Lawson out there more. They need to get him more. And uh, so I don't know, you know – 
maybe as a whole, Hubbard's had more big splash plays. Obviously, I think obviously maybe it's touchdowns. because they're lining but, him up at fullback, and you know he almost blocked a yeah. punt, and we've just seen him in, in unique scenari- it, scenarios too. Maybe it is, it's that. It is, it's true, and I even asked after that game where he missed the block punt and then he didn't fall on that fumble. I said, "Are those good plays or are those man? Those are missed opportunities." But a young guy, you know, you know, you hope next time he gets them because they could have won those that game with those two plays that they had gone differently. So he's playing some defensive tackle. He's kind of getting beat up a little bit against the run if you watch him and focus on him, um, which should be, should be expected for a, a young player that's playing inside against bigger players. He's going to get beat up a little against the run, but. He's a he's a energy monster. I mean, that's not taking anything away from him. He's a high-effort guy. There was a couple tackles in this game in the third and fourth quarter where he chases down the screen and tackles a guy on third down. They couldn't get off the field on third downs at times. There was missed tackles on third downs, but Hubbard is running them down and making these secure tackles, and you're like, okay, we need that. You need that stuff. And, um, you know, when you watch him and he wasn't super productive at Ohio State, there, he doesn't really have a pass rush move or, or a, a plan while he's rushing, but yet – he wins at times, and that's a good thing. These are He's young. He hopefully develops. Hopefully all these things, these negatives that I'm saying can improve. Um, but as of right now, he is a beneficiary of the rest of that D-line being completely stacked. But that's okay because he's filling his role perfectly. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. We still have to talk about the offense. This is our weekly film review. Joe joins us every single week here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. And we'll get to the offense in just a second. But first, a word from The Athletic, because if you want to read from Joe and all of his film analysis and breakdown, maybe you want to read Jay Morrison on the Bengals or any of their national NFL reporters, you can. And right now they're offering uh, you, for listening to Locked On Bengals, 40% off. All you got to do is go to theathletic.com slash Locked On Bengals, and you'll get 40% off a uh, year subscription to the athletic. There's no pop-up ads, nothing like that. There's no clickbait, just awesome, awesome articles. And Joe, what what are some of the stuff right now that our Bengals listeners can find from you on the athletic? For me specifically, you're going to get film reviews and player evaluations. Um, hopefully stuff you're not getting too many other places, even though there's a lot of good Bengals Raiders out there this year, I will say that. But I'm going to look at all the third downs, especially from this game from the Dolphins on offense and defense, because I think third downs is where this game was won and lost. Uh, and there's some big plays on each side, and really it's been a theme, I think, of all year, uh, especially for the defense not being able to get off the field. Offensively, they've been okay on third downs, but not having John Ross, not having Tyler Eifert. Eifert's a big one on third and, and in the red zone. Bengals were really good in the red zone leading up into this game, and they struggled the, this week. So um, is it a trend? Is it going to continue? Or is it a blip in the radar? So those are the, those, that's why you want to go to the film. That's why you want to see this. Is, and is it something that's going to continue, or is it just one game and they can move on? Yeah, so that and so much more. Theathletic.com slash LockedOnBengals gets you 40% off. Again, theathletic.com slash LockedOnBengals. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Joe, let's dive into the offense and let's talk about uh, what was their their worst output of the season. I think it was their worst game of the year. What contributed to that, et cetera. Let's start with the signal caller, Andy Dalton. 
I was very high on Andy. I, I complimented him a ton last week. I thought he was okay on Sunday. Uh, there were some throws I would think he wishes he had back. Ultimately, though, the numbers look all right. 20 of 30 for 248 yards, a touchdown and a pick. What did you think of Andy Dalton's performance? I, I'm with you. I think he was okay. I think you will win games with that performance. I think you could potentially lose some games with that performance, and um, mostly because uh, third downs, you know, and that's the money down, and that's when you have to find a way to move the sticks, keep the ball, you know, keep the keep the game on plan, and and, and keep it moving. And there were some times here where I felt um, he struggled a little bit, and it looks when I'm watching the film. The coverage was tighter. The Dolphins were sending different blitzes because they couldn't keep two safeties back. Uh, they were allowed to get a little more exotic. I don't want to directly, quickly say missing Ross and Eifert hurt, but I, it, this is the first time we've seen the defense able to do what they were able to do because um, the Bengals really only had two weapons and weapons in the passing game. And, you know, Fitz, Minka Fitzpatrick as a slot corner did really good against Boyd. He didn't have the same success against Screen. Uh, but the, those were the plays that I think Dalton really – Stood out was when he had to roll, when he had to escape the pocket. A couple throws to Green across the field where it just barely trickles over Micah Fitzpatrick and Green catches it And while Dalton was on the run. And then the, the throw to Joe Mixon. Um, that's exactly what we've been asking for. James, you and I for years now, we said we want Dalton to keep his eyes up, remain a passer, look for that second option, give his guy a chance, trust your guy, just put the ball up there at times. And he did. And Mixon you know, he, it worked out. He came back for the ball. He catches it, goes in the end zone. And without that play, they're not winning. And, and, you know, it was crucial at the right time for him to make that throw and trust his guy. And we could use more of that. It also led to an interception, I think, on the first drive, trusting um, A.J. Green to break inside and get in there and, and fit it in. Uh, but the safety was on it all the way. The linebacker got a good, maybe a legal jam on, on um, A.J. Green too far downfield, and, and Dalton threw it anyways, despite having open players on the outside. Um, and that's okay because I again we've asked for him to take these chances, and he is, and he's he's won I think on most of these riskier throws this year than he has in the past. And uh, if it keeps continuing, I think that that's how this offense is going to survive. Yeah, I agree with you. The the play to mix in, especially knowing that you kind of need, I mean, you pretty much need a touchdown there to stay in the game. You can't settle for a field goal. It'd be different if that was in the first quarter. Throw it up. Let one of your players make a play. Mixon made it. I love that decision by Dalton. Let's continue with the offense because they only scored 13 points. Um, the interception in the red zone certainly hurt them. The uh, uh, blocked field goal hurt them. They left some points out there. Offensive line-wise, this was an offensive line that uh, coming into the season obviously had plenty of question marks. It's going to be challenged next week against T.J. Watt, who's tied uh, for the NFL lead with Geno Atkins and J.J. Watt uh, with six sacks. When you look at this offensive line, I looked at Pro Football Focus, and Cordy Glenn and Bobby Hart both graded pretty well, uh, at least comparatively speaking to the rest of the offense. How do how did they play, um, and how do you think they've played so far throughout this season? I actually mentioned right after the game, I was like, I mean, you know what, I didn't notice Hart outside of, I think he had a penalty, um, but I said, I didn't notice Hart for the first time all year, and that's a positive, that's a good thing. I think he, when I reviewed the film, he kept his head above water, which, you know, he didn't have a great game, but he was serviceable, and you can win a lot of games with that. Now, the Dolphins didn't have Cameron Wake, so I think there's a chance uh, 
that, you know, it, you got a little softer or easier <laughs> game against Charles Harris, who was a first-round pick. And I think Pro Football Focus graded Charles Harris pretty well. But, I, you know, when I watched it live, I was like, I, you know, I think Bobby Hart's kicking his ass, to be honest with you. And um, on the other side, a lot of people were, what's going on with Cordy Glenn? What's going on? What's going on? Third week in a row, speed rusher that's really athletic, that's given him issues. And, uh, you know, it, it, that could continue. Cordy Glenn was really good for the Bills when healthy. He's been banged up for the last couple years, few years even, and um, he's been on the injury report this year with a knee. He doesn't look as agile as he was, but he was never a super athlete. And, uh, you know, he's surviving right now. He These these pressures that he's given up to um, pressure Andy Dalton would have probably been sacks if it was Cedric Aboye last year. He's a veteran. He's good enough to get the guy um, just around the arc just a little bit. But you could see on a few plays it moved Dalton out of that pocket or made him feel a little uncomfortable because that pressure is coming so quickly and Robert Quinn's running these wide arcs, man. There was a there was a touchdown potential play. It was on play action where they were going in, I think, from the 35, maybe 40, and they had Tyler Boyd open on a play action pass. Um, it looked like Joe Mixon was supposed to chip. Robert Quinn takes this wide, huge wide arc. Abnormal. This isn't a normal pass rushing um, path to the quarterback. And Cordy Glenn just can't chase him because I don't think a lot of tackles could t- chase Quinn on this path. And um, because Mixon kind of gets in the way, slows down Glenn a little bit more, and Mixon doesn't get a chip in there. And Quinn runs all the way around the arc, but just enough, Glenn gets an arm out there into his shoulder and just gets him off balance at the very end. Gives Dalton a half a second while Dalton tries to step up and give it to uh, give it to. Uh, Boyd who's wide open, but Quinn reaches out and hits his hits his elbow and gets him uh, to flutter the ball just enough. And it's just one of those where, like, man, two guys are just battling, and then Quinn beats him inside, and then some run plays where Glenn just dumped Quinn and, and got to the linebacker and had a nice block on a or, or got out in front of CJ Uzama on a screen and really shielded that safety from coming up and hitting Uzama earlier. So it was it was a mixed bag for Glenn. Uh, overall, I'm still think thinking they upgraded at that position from Obohi, obviously. But at the same time, you kind of wonder, um, is that position secure going into the future through five games? Probably early to say that. But at the same time, uh, it's worth looking at it and saying he's given up too many pressures at this point, and you wonder if he's healthy or if uh, they're still figuring out, you know, do they have to give that side a little bit of help? Because to be honest, the line is really slanted to the left. A lot of this, a lot of this help is going um, – uh, I should say to the right. A lot of this help is going to the right side, and then the Bobby Hart's one getting that tight end and that chip from from Mixon much more often. And another thing, though, this isn't uh, focused on the O line, but it has some effect. The Bengals are um, not using the running backs in pass protection as much as they used to in the past. In the years past, Giovanni Bernard would pass protect. Um, one out of th- one out of three plays, he'd actually go out for a pass, the, or I should say, pass protect. The other two, he's going out for a pass. This year, him and Mixon are at about a tenth of the plays where they're actually staying in for pass protection. So from about thirty-three percent to ten percent, and uh, it's having an effect because instead they're using tight ends, instead they're relying on this offensive line to get the job done. And so far, it's working for the most part. But something to look look at in the future, and especially with against the Steelers coming up, who would like to bring a lot of uh, blitzes and and different exotic stuff, if they'll be able to hold up and, and continue what they've done. What about the interior of the offensive line? Trey Hopkins, to me, I haven't really noticed him much, uh, which is a good thing. Alex Redman is a guy that at least has allowed a lot of pressures. I keep hearing about how Christian Westerman was so great in the preseason. Um, what are your thoughts on, on that interior? I think Clint Bowling is Clint Bowling. He's going to do his job. I, I think he's the most stable of the offensive linemen the Bengals yep. have. But uh, y- your thoughts on the interior? 
Yeah, there's not even much to say about Clint Bowling, honestly, besides that he's the guy you can count on to do what he's got to do, and you know what you're getting. Even if he has a bad game here or there or a bad series or a bad snap, overall he is your guy. He's your rock on the offensive line. I think Hopkins has been okay. And honestly what he's been good at is um, plays where he can get in space, where he can climb to the second level and get to that, that linebacker or on zone plays where he can get out in front of the nose tackle. He's the opposite of Billy Price, to be honest. And Price is the, the strong guy who will wrestle and, and can anchor again in pass protection, where Hopkins is more of a little bit more athletic guy and uh, probably has a little bit more experience overall in the NFL rather than, you know, not at the, the um, center position, obviously. But at the, at the end of the day, really, it's probably an even trade as of now because Billy Price is a rookie. Um, but then it's, it's raised the question, for, I think, for a lot of people is what do they do at right guard? If, if Hopkins is playing well and Hopkins can play guard, we played right. He played right guard last year. Billy Price played right guard at Ohio State. Um, can you consider making a switch there? It's not that Redmond has really been terrible. Because, honestly, I, I like the fire he brings. I like that he's a fighter, and he, he really is in it all the time and going 100 miles an hour. It's the penalties. It's the holding. It's the it's the false starts. You know, just they can kill a drive, and, we, and, and they do often when you have those, especially on first down, and you get behind behind it where you're first and 15 or maybe, you know, second and, and 10, and it's because you have a dumb penalty that doesn't have to happen. Um, and then you get the pressures and pass protection. So you got to wonder, you know, people bring up Christian Westerman a lot, but you hear from the coaches, you hear it through the grapevine that they just do not trust him to do the right thing at the right time. And it's kind of funny because – I may have brought this up before, but player evaluation is funny this way, and I think coaches lean this way a little bit. But when you know exactly what Redmond is, and I think everyone knows what he is, he's a big, strong guy that's going to play 100 miles an hour, should help you in the run game, but he's going to be a little bit over-aggressive and a little tight in pass protection and may give up some plays there. But you know exactly what that is, right? So you can game plan your offense around it. Mm Mm-hmm. With Westerman, he's kind of a wild card. At least this is how the coaches do him. He's a bit of a wild card in every single play. They don't know if he's going to do the right thing or not. He's going to have the right hand placement or technique or or whatever, um, or even block the right guy. Even though he may have some higher end plays more consistently, he is going to those inconsistent plays to them are very scary, and it's why he's not playing. And it's the unknown versus the known. Even though I know this guy may be a little worse, I can count on him to be exactly that, and I can game plan around it. Um, and I think that's what we're looking at right there. And I, and I can understand it because really the offense has been good this year. And if you can, and if, if part of it has been that they've game planned around the right side of their offensive line and they're surviving um, with that game plan in place, then I understand why you would do that instead of creating a whole, you know, another wild card on the offense from Christian Westerman or, or moving other guys. Take one more quick break to tell you about Vivid Seats and VividSeats.com. Look, if you want to go to Paul Brown Stadium and watch the Bengals, maybe you want to travel to Kansas City and watch the Bengals on Sunday night football, whatever the case may be, whether it's Steelers, Wake, Kansas City, or any live event, concerts, theater, etc., Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats app is perfect for you. It's an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing you experiences that will last a lifetime. They'll help you find your seats to any of your favorite live events. They have great prices and an easy purchasing experience. And with the podcast code locked on, you're going to get $20 off your order of 200 bucks or more. Uh, with your first order. It's real simple. You go to the App Store, Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app, enter promo code Locked On, and receive $20 off orders of 200 bucks or more because you're a new customer and because you listen to Locked On Bengals. All orders 
are guaranteed and backed by a 100% guarantee. Again, go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app, save some money, and watch your team. Go to your favorite concert, go to your favorite live event. Again, that's Vivid Seats, promo code locked on. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Uh, final thought, Joe, and I, I thought I, it was, I believe it was midway through the second quarter, and I'm looking, and the Bengals' offense, I, I'd already tweeted out that it was kind of out of sync, and it felt out of sync. It, it, it felt like everything was a click slow, a click too fast, a click out of place, et cetera, whether it was the offense, or whether it was Andy, uh, whether it was Joe Mixon in the running game. And I thought about it, and I'm like, well, for the first time, uh, Mixon's been out for two weeks. Tyler Eifert not out there for the first time this season, and no John Ross, and no then, Giovanni Bernard, no, no Giovanni Bernard, which which I think does matter absolutely. Um, and so all three of those guys out, Mixon just coming back and Rusty, and then in the third quarter to start the third quarter, the Dolphins had just taken a seventeen nothing lead. There were eight or not even eight. There were ten Dolphins within ten yards of the line of scrimmage. I mean, they were all lining up, daring the Bengals to throw the ball down the field, and it felt like last season, early on uh, in that third quarter and in the first half, as far as the offense goes. How much of that has to do with no Ross, no Eifert, etc.? A lot of it. I'll be honest with you. And uh, I noticed with Mixon, he looked a little out of sync. I think in the first quarter, and I thought, you know, this is where you would want Bernard probably to ease Mixon back in, and, and we. You see the difference of how Mixon was with his cutback lanes and his vision in the third and fourth quarter versus some of the runs in the first and second where you're like, ooh, you missed that a little, or you bounced it out too early. And then he got into the motion and took the game over, I think, for at least a full drive where you felt like, you know, here he is, and he's done that every time they've won, right, um, And with the games he's been in. And I, I thought, ooh, you know, you could have used Geo. And then there are a lot of plays where I'm watching, especially on the film, the Dolphins are just playing straight up with one safety in the middle of the field and, like, you know, test us. Who are you sending deep? Alex Erickson, Tyler Boyd? Because, honestly, you know, Boyd did catch one, but teams, I think, are are comfortable with Boyd being the guy. If you want to test them deep, okay, you do that. Um, they're not going to allow Green to do it. They're going to try and put a, uh, another guy over there. And, really, it was Green on the crossing routes and from the, from the seam or uh, from the slot. So, uh, you, I, for me, I'm kind of wondering – when is Green going to catch a vertical pass? Because he hasn't yet this year from the from the boundary, and I and I'm wondering for the first time ever, I'm like, can he still win there? Because it's been five games. I don't think we've ever gone five games without him winning on the outside deep, and he's winning from the slot a lot. But a lot of veteran receivers move into the slot when they maybe lose a step. And I'm not Green's having a fantastic year, so I'm not trying to start that. But it did creep into my mind for a split second as this team looks slow on offense, and I thought. Yeah, I've said it before, and I don't want to rub it in. I'm going to let people come to their own realization. But John Ross matters because you get that other safety back there, the running game opens up. You want to see eight, nine guys, ten guys in the box at times. Um, you saw it this week, and not having Eifert on third downs, not having Eifert in the red zone, it affected them again where they struggled in both areas. So 
um, yeah, it's going to have an effect. And there was even some times in pass protection I thought, well, you probably want Geo here instead of Mixon, or you probably want Geo instead of Mark Walton, and you don't have that option. I mean, those against the Atlanta Falcons, they score Geo twice, Eifert and Ross, right? You just took that off the field, and all those yards, too, which is probably accumulated for half your total yards in the Falcons, it would have an impact. A lot of Bengals fans said they'll be fine. Sure, they'll be fine, but their offense was special the first four weeks, and they definitely weren't that in week five. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, is it is it fair to say, I don't, I don't want to say they need Ross, but I almost think they need Ross against Pittsburgh if they're going to have a, a real shot to, to do what I think they should do, which is be the better team and handle a Pittsburgh team at home that they yeah. should beat. So I, I do, though, think that they need Ross to do that. Am, am I crazy? Is that putting too much weight into, into Ross? Obviously, I'm the John Ross guy. Pittsburgh fans will, and analysts will tell you, this is how the Steelers have been getting beat. It's over the top. And right now I don't feel like the Bengals have a guy, you know, besides A.J. Green, and, and Steelers are going to try not to let that happen, but – Having that other guy is a big difference, and not having Eifert to dictate and change coverages the way they did. You know, I wrote about it when um, after he got hurt, but you know they would flex Eifert out a lot. He played wide receiver sixty five percent of the time, and in doing that, defenses had to adjust, and they were all going out there in their dime and in their nickel when Bengals only had two wide receivers out there, and the Bengals were able to run the ball and find more space. And, and Geo had a big game against the Falcons because of it, uh, or at least in, in part. And so you want to spread the Steelers out. You want to attack them deep and over the top. Um, you don't want to line it up and go tight and try and run it against them. They've done that before, and it worked once in 2009. But overall, that's, I don't think that's the game you want to play. I think you can go beat this team. And I think you're going to have to score points because it feels like the Steelers' offense is, is starting to click. And, you know, that's, that offense can be scary where they, they can put up 30 on you easily. Um, so, yes, I would – I'd feel much, much better if John Ross was on that field, even if he only catches one pass. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. And if you want to read his work at The Athletic, it's simple. Get 40% off right now, theathletic.com slash locked on Bengals. Joe, I appreciate the time as always. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for having me, James. That's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. Good stuff from him as always. And uh, it is great to be with you. Our numbers Sky, hi, I love the listener interaction. I posted about Locked On Bengals on Instagram. I do it every single day as well on Twitter and on uh, the Locked On Bengals Twitter account as well. At James Rapine on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Bengals on Twitter. It is, uh, it's great to talk to you guys each and every day. Don't forget about the voicemail. I know I've been bad at getting to them. I listen to all of them. I've just been bad at, at incorporating them into the podcast. I will. So this week, Steelers. 513-666-0328. That's the Locked on Bengals hotline. Leave me a voicemail after the game, and we will certainly, absolutely have a post-game podcast, and I'll be sure to include your voicemails next week. I, I promise. Scouts honor. Back at it tomorrow with Bengals locker room audio. And we'll have a Steelers crossover, a preview of Bengals Steelers. That is we roll on. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Back at it tomorrow. I'm James Erpain. Thanks for listening on the Locked On Bengals Podcast. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.